if you haven't built your brand to an extent where customers are like oh where can i pick you where can i find you where where are you located you know no matter how much you're leveraging on brand credibility in whatever space that you are popping up you still have to drive that customer you know foot traffic for for you footfall to shop that's that's what it is you know that is your job Welcome back to another season of Third Culture Africans. I'm proud to say Africa's number one award-winning career and entrepreneurship podcast voted for by you at the African Podcast and Voice Awards. I am Zezo Ariaki Sal, your host. I'm obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and our show is dedicated to igniting your entrepreneurial journey, sharing resources and giving you the tools to pursue your dreams fearlessly. We celebrate artistry and stories from those brave enough to create something and succeed. Inspiring, motivating, and full of wonder, discover how those who succeed do it. Your support helps make this show bigger and better. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and join our community with weekly newsletters curated just for you. Let's connect on Instagram and Facebook at Third Culture Africans. Sit back, relax, and let's do this. Thanks, Bookie, for joining us on this week's episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about diving into your story this week. Uh, for various reasons, I think your story reads very much like, you know, the immigrant story and having to find your space in a new country um, an evolving career and then building something on the continent and things have just continued to explode from there but I guess to give you your flowers which I do in every episode you have created I guess one of Africa's largest network of creative African-owned businesses called Bella Africana um, you've also uh, founded an initiative called the African Creative Exhibition um, and Awards, which helps celebrate creativity and innovation across the continent. Um, and you put on a pop-up event in central London, bringing a ton of African brands into one of the largest and most famous high streets um, outside of Africa. Um, and be before that, uh, you raised well over $150,000 in sponsorship for the members of your community. Um, and you've helped them save over $250,000 in training expenses um, and giving them the skills to help them grow. Have I missed anything? No, you haven't. <laughs> You've been spot on. Honestly. Oh, yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I have missed something. You're also the co-founder of a non-profit called Push Relief Project. Oh, yes. Incredible, incredible. Let's start with early years. So your first degree is in biochemistry. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> from the University of Westminster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. How, 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 how did you choose that and end up where you are now? 
So interestingly, first of all, I just really want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I want to give you your flowers you. right back. You know, well done and kudos. <laughs> thank honestly. you. Um, it's a long thank story. You. How did I end up doing biochemistry? Sometimes I look back and I ask myself how I got there, to be honest. Um, so I actually did want to study chemical engineering, you know, early on. Even though I've always been drawn to anything creative, I don't know how I got mixed into the fact that I I knew that I sort of, you know, when you just like a subject in, in school, you know, I liked chemistry and I liked maths. So that, those two were the main ingredients for me wanting to like study chemical engineering at the university. But somewhere in between life happened and I had to, I was going to study outside of London, but I ended up, you know, taking a year off to sort of like, you know, deviate into now wanting to come back to London to study. Um, and so that's how I found myself in biochemistry. And I just kind of went in for the long haul. <laughs> was there any pressure from like your parents in terms of what professions were acceptable? Well, to be very honest, I actually had the most supportive mom ever, you know. Um, she kind of just left it open to each one of us to kind of just go for what we really wanted. I think early on, I didn't find, I didn't really find that connection of what I really wanted at that early age. I just felt like, oh, I just needed to go to university and get a degree. That's how I think I felt at the time. Because if not, I, I, you know, while you're in university, I, I remember me saying specifically to my mom that I'm doing this for her. Like, I actually just want to graduate because, you know, she, she was the one paying for our school fees at the time. Um, I, I had three siblings, you know, we were all in university almost at the same time, actually. And my mom was the one that sponsored us all through university. So um, times when I was just confused of what I was studying, I just kept holding on to that perspective of the fact that whatever it is that I'm doing today, I know that it will all add up in future, you know. And I just gave it my all <laughs> and graduated. I said, you know what, mom, here, here is a certificate. I've done it. That's amazing. I hope that somehow I will be able to look back and it will all connect. You know? Yeah, and so that was it at the time. Yes, and prior to that, you had A levels, Enfield College, and you've sort of with that your um you were sort of physics, chemistry, maths, very like science. I guess they say science oriented. Yes, and then while studying, you worked. I did. I did, Susie. You were a shift manager at McDonald's. How did you find <laughs> navigating? Well, there's one thing to work while you study. There's something to work at McDonald's while you study. Like, I don't think there's ever hmm. a quiet McDonald's. In fact, you're just taking me through, like, you know, when you're just going down memory lane as we're having this chat. It was an interesting season of my life. I just know that I had really, really humble beginnings that really have um, made me who I am today, you know. I worked at McDonald's and I remember back then I grew from a crew member to a training squad to a floor manager and then a shift manager. So imagine this young girl at the age of, I think as early as 18, um, I would, when I became a floor manager, I had to open the store at 5 a.m. in the morning. So that meant I had to wake up about 4 a.m. to make sure 
maybe like 3.45 actually, to make sure that I'm awake on time to get to the store, to open the store. And then I would walk around all the shifts that I had to go to university. So I'll finish work, say about um, 10 a.m. so that I can jump on the train to go for my, so my, my university in Westminster at the time was in central London. My campuses was in Cavendish and like Regent Street. So I would jump on the train to go to school and I was doing all of that. And there was one point in my life where I actually took on another job. <laughs> so call what? me crazy. Honestly, you know, because one of the things that I decided to do at the time was if my mom had to sacrifice so much to pay for me in university, I, I said to her that, you know, mom, I would pay for where I'm leaving and I would pay for anything else, you know, pertaining to my feeding. So I knew that I had to work. I knew that I had to work hard. You know, so it was a no-brainer for me. Anything that was going to bring in that inflow of money and number yeah, of hours. your pocket money. Exactly. Yeah. And that was what yeah. I was consistent at doing at that early age. I, I identify with it so much because I, I started working from the age of 16. Um, like like your mom, my parents, you know, were changing Naira to send all of us um, here to school in England. And, you know, at some point you, you, you develop a sense of empathy and you can see how hard your parents are working. And to some extent, you know, they were doing their very best in creating that foundation. Um, and so getting a job, but I, I didn't get a McDonald's job. So like there, I, I worked in first Faith Shoes and then Aldo Shoes mm. Um <laughs> So my my shifts were reasonable <laughs> and workable, but yeah, McDonald's is a whole different ball game. No, it's a whole difference. I remember at the time my friends would say, okay, I can't believe you're a manager. And I had one, I remember very specifically, a friend of mine had to actually come that early to come and sit down and watch me walk just so that it wow. could prove that I was really a manager who, you was, doing that. who was doing that at the time when I was a No, because the hours, are, it was, the hours are unreal. Yeah. And then studying on top. Yes. Um, but you know, at the time McDonald's paid well, right? So, yeah, I mean, well was, it, it paid well for the, for what I needed at the time. <laughs> Relative. <laughs> Relative. <laughs> that makes sense. Relative, those numbers yes. make no sense yes, now. <laughs> um, and then you went from there and then you kind of stayed in food and beverage for a little bit, um, working at Wembley Arena. And then you moved to Nigeria and went into, I guess, the tech world right now again biochemistry degree and now you're in Nigeria and you are essentially working to start off with in a sales role was that a conscious choice for you had you already sort of started to see yourself outside of being um, you know someone who had studied biochemistry and, and a career in that field so I'll give you like, let me just give you the fine details behind just before I moved back to Nigeria. So, you know, like, and I'm sure you can relate with this 100%. You know, when you're outside of the country of your home, you know, you're always seeking for something from home. You know, I remember at the time I would always want as as little as like Baba Dudu, Agbazumor, you know, any fashion items that my mom could oh my grab. God. 
all of those things. You have no idea how far I drive <laughs> every are. week, how far I drive every week just to get plantain. Exactly. Like literally on my Instagram stories, exactly. everyone knows. If a week goes by and I haven't You're ranted about the price exactly. of plantain, how far I've driven for plantain. So, you know there's something I, wrong. I, I, I agree 100%. So, you know, the only means that I had to those from home was when my mom was coming. She would always pack like a box dedicated to us. And thankfully, and, you know, God gave my mom the ability to be traveling in almost every quarter. So I didn't feel like she was gone that long. So this dream already started that way back when I really just wanted, I just kept thinking of a platform where, you know, we could just be able to shop from, from anything that we needed from home, anything, you know, creative, anything in the food items. That already started to burn in my mind. I didn't even know how much of that I carried until I moved back to Nigeria. Does that make sense? So yeah, that, totally. that was already little seeds of those were already planted in my heart before I moved back to Nigeria. And when I moved back to Nigeria, I started to meet a lot of amazing creative people, you know, who were making like pieces, beautiful like outfits, beautiful bags. And at the time, I moved back to Nigeria in 2012, right? And just like any, so anybody that wants to like get into working in Nigeria, you know, I had to do like NYSC. For anyone listening and doesn't know what NYSC is, like Nigerian Youth Service Corps in Nigeria. Service, we all yeah. kind of needed that. Some countries do the army, uh-huh, other countries exactly. have. Yeah. So Nigeria has NYSC. Yeah. Um, and I had to do that as far back 2012. But just like I said, this, I had already, I started to carry a dream at the time, but I just didn't know how to start, right? So meeting this creative entrepreneurs and understanding the fact that they actually did exist, it's just that there was a gap. There was a gap between, you know, people who had access to them and people who made these things, right? And so that way back, I started to kind of just test the market. And for anyone listening, I also actually just want to say that kudos, if you're a champion in any industry in Nigeria, I really want to, I'm just throwing these flowers out to you if you're listening in, for any community builders that are listening in, right? So every, as you know, Nigeria can be very informal in in all sectors, depending on whatever it is that you're trying to grow. And so when I moved back, the first point was to make them more visible, Right. And the question was, how do we do that? How do I get to that point of doing that? Now, let me fast forward. Now, let me rewind back to my working in McDonald's. I went back to Nigeria thinking I would be in like customer service industry. You know, I'll be a manager. That was all that was in my head. But I just didn't know there was a part of my subconscious that was saying, girl, you're not going into any managerial role. People need you in this industry because that's really your first love. But you just don't know it yet. So when when my mom, when anyone asks, okay, so what are you going to be doing in Nigeria? That would be what I would say. So interestingly, I had two job offers when I moved back to Nigeria, but I went back to Nigeria a whole person. I went back to Nigeria fully formed. And what I mean by that is I knew, I knew what I carried. I knew the value that I was coming back home with, right? And I remember saying to the two people that employed me, um, I remember asking for a particular, I remember counter counter offering, you know, saying mm. what I wanted to be paid yeah. for the roles that they had hired me for. Yeah. And um, unfortunately they declined. And so those were some of the things that channeled me into, you know, studying Bell Africana at the time. 
But there was one missing ingredient, right? I didn't know what I didn't know what entrepreneurship was about. I didn't know what starting a business was about. Even though my mom was always a businesswoman, but you know when it's different. a businesswoman is different, different, you know? It's a different time, exactly. Yeah. So I remember meeting a man, a guy <laughs> at the time, who is now my husband. I have to say this. Who I remember saying particularly to me that you don't need to have a product to sell a product. That has resonated with me all through these years. And that idea of understanding what a middleman played in the different sectors came about for me. Okay. So when he said that, I then started to test out how to now build a platform that would, you know, help these creative entrepreneurs to be more visible. And that's how Bell Africana started at the time, wanting to actually give more visibility to creative entrepreneurs in whatever corners of Nigeria they are located and giving them a platform. Because I kept thinking of the internet, if if they're in whatever corners they are in Nigeria, if I'm just able to bring them on a platform, then more people would be able to discover discover them. So way back 2012, 2013, that's how Bell Africana kind of started unofficially, right? So I would just hold off here because so that, I don't know you have more beautiful questions. Oh, no, I'm loving it. No, but like there's always this conversation about when is the best time to start a business, right? Like, and and constantly, you know, I meet people and I'm sure you meet people who as well say, oh, but I'm working this job, but I have this idea and I'd like to, you know, really get it off the ground. And there's always this like hesitation to start. There is no ideal circumstance. In my case, I was in the middle of a, a recession. No one was hiring. That pushed me. In your case, you know, there's always a circumstance that determines that actually you look at yourself and and look at what what can you do? What value can you bring to the marketplace? And most times it's usually fueled by the fact that you are undervalued um, in whatever circumstance that you're in. Um, but it's incredible that like you, I held a job um, in the beginning when I started Malay um, because you don't know where it's going to go. You know, you're just you're just tinkering away at this thing. No one can see anything that you're doing. You can't see any of the success. There's no articles. There's no pat on the back in the beginning. Right. You're just this exactly. lone ranger you know, pushing forward in this dream that no one else can see but yourself. Um, but that, so you started Bell Africana in the background, but at the same time, you're holding down a full-time job um, in Nigeria. You change roles um, from like a web solutions role, account management, sales management, strategy, comms, that kind of thing which I'm guessing no doubt those skills of Google Analytics, PPC, SEO, all of that has gone into the growth of Bell Africana. Of Bell Africana, precisely, yes. Was that strategic in choosing to go into a digital marketing um, role? Where Did you see something that was lacking and you felt like, okay, this would be a great move for me, or was it just happenstance? Okay, so um, interestingly... Um, one of the digital marketing, I've always been exposed to digital marketing, thanks to my husband, right, who runs an institute, okay, and so um, it, 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 just, it, was, it was just something I fell in love with um, as, it, as it continued to evolve in Nigeria. 
I mean, and still is fast evolving, right? Because every every business needs that skill. Um, interestingly, at the beginning, I was shining. I was running away from doing these things because I would just say, oh, just please help me do this. You know, um, I don't really need to do it because, you know, you're in my life. So just help me. I, I, I didn't even realize how much he was helping me by saying no. And so every no that I got, I was putting it into me actually trying it out for myself and trying to understand how it works. So I'll give you an example from starting email marketing. When I went back to Nigeria, I, I did actually, I was a bit confused for a second. I was thinking, because I'm a creative also. It's just that I prefer to market other creatives than to do it myself. So I started by, you know, making, finding someone who does like, who's able to do like notebooks using African fabrics, you know. And so instead of me just selling to people and saying, oh, come and buy this, what I started doing was to start sharing about the history of African fabrics. So mm. on my newsletters, any events that I went to, I would take your email and I would take your um, business card and I would let you know that, oh, I, I send these newsletters every twice a week, you know, just updating you on what is going on in my life. And that's how I started. So I would, I was researching on all types of African fabrics from the sweatshirt in South Africa to the moth cloth in Mali to, you know, the Kentes, the Adinkras, the Ashokes and so on and so forth. And then I decided to start telling people about the history of these fabrics, mm. you know, the fact that they existed. At the end of the day, I would then say, okay, you can then buy these products, right? Because these fabrics have been made in these products. So what I did, what I did at the time was to, st- in fact, I still do that, but that's on the side. People just order that in wholesale, right? And so what I started by doing was to now get more people the opportunity for for people. I noticed, I realized earlier on that my strength was in marketing. So I started with the email marketing. After that, I now started to understand social media marketing. Gosh, girl. At the end of the day, can, can, marketing can we hook is really up? all about can psychology. We, can we hook up after this? Because I am <laughs> terrible at marketing. Are you serious? Oh, my God. We can totally, we can totally hook up. You need, you need to fix that. that's the future. I, I know. I know. And every, that's you know, the now and that's the future. Everyone I talk to who, like, recently in this season, and they are, like, great at marketing digital marketing i'm just like Mm -hmm. gosh i need to like take a leaf out of your book because (laughs) i like i feel like in my mind it's something i know i should be doing and i can do but the time Mm -hmm. the time is the issue so was there something in that experience that taught you to look at the time that you invest in digital marketing differently because you were shying away from it at first like the rest of us so I mean so many things so many things is where we're in a technological world there's technology for everything any platform that you want to use for instance I'll give you a good example any platform you want to use has a scheduling part of it so you literally don't have to be doing things real time to actually distribute that communication, yes, right? Yes. So one of the things that I made sure that I learned or tried to actually leverage on, because you can be talking a lot about technology but not using technology, was to start to use it. So as, as little as when you have events, when you have things that are 
planned for the month you actually use your calendar use your calendar yes. on your phone. like it yes. literally would remind you you can tell it to remind you two days before one day before 30 minutes before you know email marketing i would set my email marketing in advance but i must add it takes a lot of self-discipline it's not something that you can just wish upon and say, oh, it sounds sweet. It sounds so easy to do. It's really just prioritizing what, you know, you want to use from any one of these marketing tools, right? There are now tools that, it can, that can make, that can help you do. Let's not even go into all the new tools out there. There are so many tools that can help you make life better for you based on whatever you know, whatever desires that you want to achieve from whatever you're doing. So that's what I try to leverage on a whole lot. Um, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> but these are the things, right? And in, when people like you say that, I'm like, yeah, surely I can schedule things and I can sit and give it the planning time needed. Girl, I might have the, the initial oomph to begin but to sustain it is the challenge. But you've been able to, to do that and take those skills into Bella Africana and you've been able to create a successful e-commerce platform alongside the network, alongside the training and the extra help that you give to the brands that you work with. And that is so key, as you mentioned, in today's world, right? Like, Anyone building any sort of business, and myself included, um, who is forgetting the digital part of it, um, is 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 going to have a tough time of it in the world now. Um, purely because we're all on our phones all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the penetration of the web, internet, in Africa, the growth curve is just insane. But most importantly, the ability to connect with people is unparalleled, right? Like by, by, by utilizing that. So you had this, well, your husband first gave you insights that, oh, Abigail, this thing is, this thing is not something to sleep on. But then <laughs> in practice, you were doing it every day. And helping other brands, you know, build their businesses. At what point did you turn around and go, hold on, Buki, you need to give this your all? So it's 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 been, you know, when uh, I always love to use the tree as an illustration. You know, you start by planting. You start by, you know, sowing that seed. And for me, the, the, the sowing had happened a long time ago. It's just that it was up to me to start you know, watering it, right? But I had, I, I mean, the point that it, that I got to was when I started to, I mean, I've been connecting, I've been surrounded with creative people all my life. And I didn't even, you know, I, it was after a while that I started to look back and say, Buki, you've actually always played this role in the midst of the people around you. So my sister has almost like five different businesses. My mom... And when with my sister, for instance, as an example, yeah, she would get these businesses, but when it's time to reach the customers, mm. she will come to me and say, Bookie, please, can you go and help me reach out to more people to come and, you know, patronize me and things like that. And from, I already knew that I had something in me that was more of, that had this magnet of, you know, bringing people together, right? 
um, bridging people together. I always had that, I ha- and I knew that I had that personality, that whole um, service, the heart of service. I had all the key ingredients to be able to bring and merge people. Because for anyone that's looking to build a platform that serves as a bridger, you actually need to be able to have the different soft skills aside the hard skills. You have to be able to have such personalities to be able to do such. When I decided to just focus on Bell Africana was when I started to meet and see how much creative entrepreneurs struggle. And that's why I, I've continued to stay in this industry because I'm sure you also have like creative friends. And I know you can relate with me when I say that many of them just want to create. They don't really want to do the business side. If me not too. I don't, I don't want to you do know, the business they side would, too. They would con- I'm with them. <laughs> I'm with them. I'm genuinely with them. I'm also with them. I'm also with you and I'm also with them. But... We can't we can't stay producing and creating without actually you've already created value. You actually have to now have the people that will buy from you without at least understanding. You know, mm. I know that people say, Oh, go hire a marketer, go hire this, go hire that, but there are different seasons in business. And in the early stages, you it's it would do you good if you actually understand each of those key parts that makes up a business, right? And what Bell Africana is then doing is saying, don't do business alone. Mm. I understand the struggles that you go through. Come into a community where you're able to not do it alone. But you will see other people, despite the fact that they are playing all the different roles as yes. a business owner, yes. they're still growing. They're still mm. taking actions. What are they doing differently? Come and come and see what they're doing differently. Come and then have access to mentors who can help you on your journey, where you're able to now save money, you know, from having to pay for I etiquette value or service to be able to get your business off the ground, you know, and where you're able to then get access to experts. So that's what Bell Africana is doing. So I, I put my foot down when I started to see more businesses close down, where I started to see reduction in patronage for this, you know, it's easy to just look over your shoulders and just go go and buy mm. from bigger enterprises, medium enterprises, and forget about the micro small enterprises who are struggling, but yet are showing up every day, but they don't feel seen. And now we are now living in a world where algorithm is shutting the visibility down even more. The struggle is is real. It's real. So that's when I just decided. And then when I start having testimonials from Bell Africana members who are like, who say things like, um, okay, so I don't know if I, I put that there also. I'm popularly called the creative's mother hen. Yeah. So whenever the community members are calling me, they, they always address me by mother hen. You know, when I get testimonials of people saying, um, hello, mother hen, every time I feel like giving up in my business, I think about you and I'm back. You know, and I remember saying to such a person, saying, every time I think about yeah. stopping Bell Africana, I think about you. Yeah, but the reality is, you know, the, you know? St- the startup failure rates are real, right? So, they you know, really something like 15% will fail in their first year, 25 in the first two years, and then 50% in the first five years. Um, and then within 15 years, 75% will fail. Um, And the reasons why, you know, startups fail, the most, I guess, the the biggest thing is, you know, poor products or it's just not right for the market. Um, 
the second thing on that list is the wrong marketing strategies. Um, yes. And it's so key. Um, and then the third thing is building a team, right? Getting the right staff. Building and, capacity, that's right. And building that. Then you, you end up with cash flow problems. So a lot of people believe it's cash flow to begin with. But that there's so many other things like, is your product right? Is it right for the market? Um, and then you have tech problems, which come way down the list, right? And that's probably the reason why maybe 7% fail. Um, and there's always a confusion in today's world, right, where people feel like, oh, my God, you know, I need to kind of invest so much in tech up front. Um, and I'm sure with Bell Africana, this is, you know, where the help that you guys offer, whereas actually no you need to first make sure that your product is right for the market, then focus on how you're going to get it to customers um, and then build a team. Tech comes way after. Ha have the problem of too much money and too many customers before. <laughs> before. Um, and then, you know, we start to look at operations because at that point you're scaling, right? And, you know, how, how well oiled is your machine? And then lastly, there is the bugbear of legal issues. You know, are you building, are you bringing in shareholders? Have you raised outside capital? Do you have the structure to support that? Now with Bella Africana, has that been, obviously these are general statistics. Now as a network working on the ground on the continent, do those things, is it the same statistics? Are those the main reasons too? Or does it slightly differ? You know, what What do you find within the network are the key sticking points? Everything that you just said, actually, I, uh, uh, the major ingredients and the major reasons for um, some of the failures that these businesses have had. So even though a lot of them start by wanting, you know, access to funding, which is not necessarily the first, um, the first problem right mm, just like you mentioned building a, building the right business structure you know even understanding the, the the actual building that product that market fit is you know one of the key things that majority of them just go with you know how they feel how they feel like the the, the product is beautiful so everybody should just yeah. accept it strategy right? is not thought you know <laughs> strategy exactly. is not thought <laughs> strategy <laughs> is data backed you know? needs to be it's data backed and measurable exactly yeah. exactly it has to be measurable it has to it, it it has to be optimized and let's also remember that you know there've been different seasonal seasons like different times after covid you know things that happened that you were doing before covid and after covid right now Girl, you're preaching you're preaching to the choir the, the trajectory <laughs> has changed man <laughs> oh, hasn't it just a whole lot of these things um to building capacity and that was one of the reasons why for me with bell africana it was really important because um, interestingly, right, just above 10% of our members are in the growth stage. We have members who are in the start, um, in the idea to start to growth um, stage. So we're always looking for ways to help them understand this because just like you said, it is data-driven. And you now have access to people who have done that, who have been there, who are able to then take you through the journey. But one of the things that I also find that I struggle a lot with is implementation. Yeah. You know, it's hard you're going to find the right one, people to, to actually it's execute. Really hard. Yeah. 
it is really hard. It is really hard, especially if you're only waiting for the right people to execute and you're not actually doing a little bit of putting in the work at the early stage, especially or putting it consistently, you know, to actually get that brand off. You know, you, 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 if you're not, if you haven't even reached the stage of trying to build a brand, it's hard for any marketplace to actually sell your brand. If you haven't even built it to a good degree where there's at least a decent amount of customers looking for you, you know, and that's one of the key things that I, I mean, I'll give you an example. We launched um, a pop-up store Mm. in April, just Mm. this year. And one of the reasons for that pop-up store was for our members to be able to get more access to markets, right? For more wider audience. However, there is still that missing link of them understanding the essence of demand versus supply. You know, if you don't, if you haven't built your brand to an extent where customers are like, oh, where can I pick you? Where can I find you? Where where are you located? You know, no matter how much you're leveraging on brand credibility in whatever space that you are popping up, yeah. you still have to drive that customer you know, f- foot but traffic for, sure. for you, footfall to shop. You, you, that's, that's what that it is. That is your job. If, if <laughs> you you're, know, if you're looking job. to sell, like, you know, people ask me this question a lot, especially with Malay, and they're like, oh, so what retail, retailers are you in? Now, you know, as a brand, we've been in Harvey Nichols, we've been on the airlines, we've been in all of these places. And hard knocks, I learned the hard way, which is actually you know, I didn't have enough money to spend on the marketing to drive the footfall to make those ventures successful. And so, and also you spend a lot of money, you know, driving traffic to whatever physical location that you're in. And then the retailer takes a percentage, right? They take their margin. So by the end of it, you know, you have to be shifting volume to make that successful. And consistently, there is this, you know, they're the vanity metrics, right? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where people are driven by the idea of how many followers you have, how many people are commenting. And seemingly successful businesses on the face of it are not surviving. Like the pandemic was such a huge eye opener for me. Um, Because some of the businesses that we all thought were flying didn't survive. Some were carrying way too much debt, had nothing in the bank. Um, And if anything, the pandemic was hopefully for all of us, actually, um, entrepreneurs. Um, For me, certainly, it was a huge eye opener in terms of crap, you know, 80% 80% of my business relies on on one distribution channel. Um, and in the pandemic, that 80% was all closed, <laughs> you know? Oh, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, when it's like diversification of portfolio and that yes. comes to light, that wasn't a problem I had before. So I wasn't thinking about it. And it's like, okay, how do you future-proof your business? Um and I guess with your expertise and the platform of Bella Africana, how are you future-proofing, you know, the brands and the, the entrepreneurs in your network? So this is a packed question. Right? I know, I know. Because I tend to load it on. I'm sorry. I load it on. Future-proofing is, the, is by God's grace. 
However, I'm just really going to say um, one of the key things that we're doing is I give it. I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier on. It's really expanding our own capacity also ensuring that we're also assessing newer markets, expanding into new markets, um, having better, stronger partnerships, right? Yes. Where we're able to, because, you know... It's, I've got a question it's, it's about developing. that, girl, because uh-huh, you've, girl. Been, you've, been, Bring it on. you've been able to raise <laughs> money from places that I'm like, girl, I need to talk to you because this podcast needs sponsors. You've been able to work with banks, banks yes, of industry, yes. export councils, mm-hmm. Um, again, I'll let you answer that question and I'll throw in the question about like who you've worked with and how you've been able to do that. Yeah, sure. Um, so like I was saying, future proofing is really about building your brand assets, continuously optimizing everything that you're doing as the future unfolds, right? I mean, also in making sure that you're following the trends on the digital scale and every scale possible, right? Making sure that, you know, you're building your customer base, your clientele, the strength of the brand equity in itself, you know, ensuring that more and more people, because this was some, one of the things that I actually, I personally struggled earlier on. It was all about how do I give more value to the members in Africana? How do I make them more visible? Forgetting the fact that Africana itself needed to be more visible. Africana needed to reach more audience, needed to build that stake in the industry because, mm. you know, this is an influence. Africana is playing a a significant role in the creative industry in not just Nigeria and Africa. And I can say that with my full chest, you know, with the, with the creative entrepreneurs in our network, right? Also making sure that all of the bodies from the government, all the stakeholders that are aware of what Bell Africana is doing, because if you're not screaming loud enough, and if you're not screaming it consistently loud enough, they wouldn't hear you, they wouldn't hear you well, or they wouldn't hear you at the right time. Because everybody is screaming. They just don't know who has the heart of the industry. Well, the reality is that, you know, last year alone, there were 5 million new businesses created. Exactly. You know, so to be heard amongst 5 million, take some doing, (laughs) you know, take, take some doing. Sorry, carry on. Exactly. So, so, so seeing that happening Mm. and them understanding um, the essence that each of these businesses play in the economy is also something that needs to just continue. I mean, it, it's not easy. I won't lie. It doesn't, it's not a walk in the park. It's not something that, it's just also making sure that whatever we're doing, we're not dying off. We're not, uh, we're, we're continually being adaptable, continually being um, innovative in our approach, you know, understanding the different problems, different pain points per time for these micro, small businesses, you know, that are also trying to grow because, and that's why we focus a whole lot on the people who are in that idea to, to start up stage because that's where the highest percentage are. And interestingly, we also have 90% women in our community, but I've kind of had over 20,000 creative entrepreneurs in our network and 80, 90% of those people are women, you know? And so we continually keep on making sure that we are talking, we're in talks with the right people and hopefully, you know, through communications like this we're also have able to have access to the right people who are saying okay these are opportunities globally how can we get 
how can, how can we reach your audience to be able to support them more? Because it takes a whole lot to do, Zizi. It, it really does. And, you know, what's what's crazy is, you know, in Africa, we have the fastest growing youth, one of the fastest youth growing populations. And there's a ton of young people going out and starting businesses. You know, unfortunately, statistically, it says that a 60-year-old is three times more likely to build a successful startup than a 30-year-old. And so for various reasons, right, more financial independence, more professional experience, they have managed other people's funds, so they know how to manage their funds, et cetera, et cetera. And they've built other people's businesses so they can build their own but notwithstanding we're still we're still building businesses right and and you know how how many days does it take to start a new business um but then there is the challenge of how many of us as we are embarking on entrepreneurship understand that it is a skill set so it's something you constantly work at right? Um, it's not something that you can start, you know, thumb suck and go, wind is blowing left, I'm going to go here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, you know, what's so interesting is like, I guess lecture at business schools, right? And mm. it's interesting when you, I, like I watch some of the students and to them, it's a no brainer. Lots of things are no brainers until you give them a problem and they have to solve it. And they realize, actually, this is not a no-brainer. Like, there's a huge part of running a business that is actually numbers. Like, it is data. Yes. And, yes. you know, um, one of the challenges with our continent at the moment is access to that information. Yes. Now... Bed Africana mm-hmm. has managed to work with, you know, places like uh, Bank of Industry, um, the Export Promotion Council, um, State Employment Trust, banks. How have you been able to connect the two? So connect what you're doing with the entrepreneurs who clearly need the support, but also the information that a lot of these councils and, you know, governmental bodies have, because there's one thing to be building the private sector individually, um, but the content needs both, you know, a concerted yes, effort. Yes, definitely need a private public, yes. Uh, it, it needs a concerted effort. Now, how have you been able to connect with those organizations and have them hear and see what you guys are doing so i'll give you it's a a, a lot of you will say oh bookie you're a storyteller i can tell story for africa oh so please tell away <laughs> tell away so i'll give you the first one i'll give you a typical example and i and i'm not even going to tell us so i'll give you two scenarios right um i'll start with the nigerian export promotions um, council for instance you won't believe actually Zizi. When I started Bell Africana, what I used to do, you would think <laughs> you would think something used to be wrong with me. When I go for networking events, I will collect your card mm. and I will put you on my mailing list because I just believed that you have to continue to hear from me. You know, you have to know what I'm up to. It may not make sense to me today, but 
I just want you to be in the loop. I want you to continue to hear what I'm up to, what yes. Afkana is doing, you know, or whatever it is I'm doing, you know. And um, this same way, I don't know at what event I went to that I met the former ED of the Nigerian Extra Promotion Council, Mr. Wolowo. I have to call this man's name wherever I go because he literally is one of the transformers or hugest supporters of Bell Africana. So this was how I met him, I, you know, and added him to my mailing list. Somehow I got on my mailing list. And um, my mailing list at the time, well, hopefully it's not as buzzing as it used to be before. Because <laughs> now, you know, you have, I won't even like my team, they're trying. But like, because I'm a storyteller, I will tell you in such a way that you're looking forward to the next thing. Yeah. Anyway, way back 2015, in fact, I had traveled. And um, my team member was giving me a report about how, you know, the missed calls or the updates from the day. And I remember Nike at the time going, oh, a Mr. Olowo called saying, oh, asking how the Nigerian Extra Promotion Council can, can partner with Bell Africana. Hey. Wow. She said it very casually that yeah. Mr. Olowo, because she didn't know who it was. Mm. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Tell me the name again. Did you yeah. get the full name? Yeah. You know, and everything. And I, I knew the person, but I had to Google again. You had to double check. That. Could it be the same? I had double to double check, check. That they were looking for this you. This person wants wow. to partner with Bell Africana. I yeah. was just like, wow. Yeah. But guess what, Zizi? I did not know how, I did not have an answer to that question. I did not even know how. So it wasn't something, because I had it. It was his private number. And I didn't know how that partnership could work. But you know, when you carry a dream and you understand that whatever happens, this dream will come alive. At the time, I was already thinking about a sort of ceremony to celebrate more creativity. If we wanted more people to create more, we needed them to see the people that are doing it and celebrate them and keep give them that pat on the back that they need, the accolades that they need. So I was already... The Ace Awards was burning at the time when he called, but it hadn't come to fruition because I was like, where do I start from? Who will support this? Then fast forward, almost like, wait, he called about August, September, few months after, I messaged him back, the hello, sir, you remember you called, da, 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 this, I remember calling him, me with audacity, me, I never, I was never afraid, I would do it afraid, you know, saying that, okay, sir, we're ready to partner and everything. It was so quick. I remember on that call. And it's like, if you're going to get through me, you know, speak to my special advisor, everything. I said, okay, give me the special advisor's contact. So fast forward, Zizi. I put together a proposal, went to look for the <laughs> special advisor, and I composed my heart to that person and sent the proposal as asked. And that was how we got our first sponsor from the Nigerian Extra Promotion Council. That was the first, you know, amount of money that I'd ever gotten in my whole experience of building a business at the time. That was a major milestone for me. And they supported three editions. They were committed to supporting three editions, right? So what am I saying? I'm saying that I, this was, this was, this is scenario one. Yeah. I did not know this person from Adam. My mom, my dad never knew him. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of mommy, who do you know that knows who knows who knows who? Because you can also connect the dots that way. This was pure my work consistency, Bell Africana sending communications out and just building seeds in his heart of, of how committed we are to this sector. And him saying, you know what? You're doing something great. You're doing what, you know, we understood the mandate of Nigerian Export Promotion Council, which was to promote non-oil exports, right? 
and we are there. We are nurturing. We are enabling the sector. So it was a no-brainer. It was a it was a sweet marriage, right, between the Nigerian export and and Bell Africana, and that was how that happened, Zizi. Now I'll give you scenario number two, likes of like the BOIs. Since earlier on in my entrepreneurial journey, I've always believed in uh, support systems. Acronym of BOI. Um, Bank of Industry. Bank of Industry. Yes, sorry. Okay. Bank of Industry. From earlier you know they're, on, they're I just, know. They're acronyms, they're acronyms to you <laughs> I now. Know, so just I for know. us, I'm for sorry. us lay people, I'm so Bank sorry. of Industry, NEPC is Nigerian Export Promotion Council and BOI yeah. is Bank of Industry, yes, in Nigeria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've always believed earlier on in my entrepreneurial journey that whatever I'm building, I'm not building it alone. And I would find people through mentorship, through sounding boards, through partnerships to take me to where I want to get to, right? Yes. So I remember when we had one of the editions of Bella, of ASA was, I think it was second edition, and we needed, we had, it was now a bigger event, right? Yes. And we needed financial support. And so this time around, I went to my mentors, you know, I remember Prince Adifuru. And I was like, because I knew that he was, he was a chairman and sat on many boards. And he knew who I was trying to get to directly. This was the first time I had had the audacity to go to my mentor and say, please, sir, I need you to shoot this shot for me. I need this support, you know, and I went directly to my mentors. So one of the things that I made sure that I did with Bell Africana was that I knew that I had built consistently was building an excellent brand because I'm very pro excellent. But I knew that I didn't have that strength or audacity in the industry. So what I was doing was I was going to partners. I will send a letter to Lagos State and say, please endorse what we are doing. Because I wanted to put it in whatever letter I was sending to anybody, that whatever we're doing is endorsed by big names, the Nigerian, the Chambers of Commerce, the this commerce, you know, just to elevate, right, the, the value and the strength of what Bell Africana held in the industry. And that was how I got the likes of the BOIs to be a part of you know, what we were doing along the way, right? And it's just been building on on that since then, on all the success rates from the previous years. Mm-hmm. And how we were able to raise that amount of money was at the third edition of the ACE Awards. You know, all this while, while I had spoken about the ED of NEPC, Nigerian Extra Promotion Council, Mr. Olusegmanlo, at the third edition, he was about to leave that seat. He was no longer going to be the ED. And I remember then, I was like, Zizi, I'm going to shoot this shot. I wanted him to be there physically. He had never been to any of the editions of the Ace Awards. So I sent a personal letter. I rushed him on left, right, and center, all the contacts that I had. (laughs) Because I just felt like he has watched this baby grow because of his support. I needed him to be there physically. And guess what? He showed. He showed up. And he he didn't just show up. He showed up by them saying that all of the winners from the from that particular edition were going to get access to that amount of money. And that's how we were able to raise that amount of money for, for them. So it's the works. You put in the works and then, you know. It comes in. I don't know. So, so coming up in. for you guys, you have the pop-up, the summer pop-up on Oxford Street, uh, July 31st to August 6th. Where can we find you other than that? Okay, so um, for that, on our socials, on Instagram, 
back to what you were talking about with future proofing what we're doing is also trying to go global with everything that we're doing um, making sure that in the uk more buyers get to see and meet the businesses under our umbrella you know for them to start having access to more audience and that's why we specifically strategically chose the oxford street which is you know as they call it euro's busiest streets you know for shopping on our instagram pages find bell africana on you know you'll be able to connect to bell africana uk or bell africana you see all our communications on there. I'm hopeful that Zizi would also put in our contact somewhere. Yes, <laughs> you can you can find it in the show notes. Yeah, it's definitely exactly. in the show notes exactly. at thirdcultureafricans.com. So our, and our website. Yep. Exactly. And we're very we're very responsive. You know, DMs, we accept DMs wide, widely, happily. Amazing. Respond. Well, interesting to see, you know, now that, you know, we've connected to the show, um, we're always open to receiving guest recommendations. Um, and, and thank you to everyone who's connected with us on social media. The event is from July 31st to August 6th. Open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. If you're in the UK, give them a visit. There will be tons of lots of consumables to have. I will be there. I'll go. I'll go come support. Yes, um, yes please. Definitely will be there. And uh, thank you so so much uh, for coming on the show this week. And hopefully we will we will see more of you on the show in the future. I look forward to it. I look forward to more conversations in this um, industry. And I'm, you know, I just really want to say thank you for helping us, you know, broadcast more of what we're doing. Honestly, we need more people giving lights and voice to, to all the works that we're doing behind the scenes. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. Uh, get some more tips at bellaafricana.com and we will see you next week. Thank you to over 20,000 of you that have tuned in and have continued to tune in. Because of you, our show is now distributed on Vodacom Africa's platform, My Muse. Your support helps make this show bigger and better. If you're a fan of the show, we would love to know. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and join our community with weekly newsletters curated just for you. Check out our free resources on entrepreneurship, productivity, finance, and leadership at thirdcultureafricans.com. You can now catch special episodes with video on YouTube at Third Culture Africans. Let's connect on Instagram and Facebook at Third Culture Africans. Let's do this.